0: Hello, and welcome to Our Bodies, Our Voices podcast. We're your hosts, Joanna and Becca. We're two women in our 30s, and we interview individuals and experts on topics related to fertility, family building, career, exercising our voices, and more. Our guests today are Andy and Victoria, friends of mine who are expecting their first child in July. In this episode, we'll chat with Andy and Vic about how they reflected on their cultures, their upbringings and the values that are important to them as they start a family, their process of preparing mentally for raising a child, and how they've embraced therapy as one tool in their journey towards parenthood. Vic and Andy, tell us a little about yourself individually.
1: I'm Vic. I am from New York originally and moved to San Francisco in 2013 with Andy. We were dating then and then came came out here to San Francisco looking for work. And then we if we found jobs here, I'm a designer and a great community of people here and just never looked back and here here we are in in San Francisco. Moving to San Francisco, I've also really learned about my interests and hobbies. And I've taken on a lot of interesting fun things like art and perfumery and calligraphy, drawing and hiking is something that I've never really done before until come like, moving to California. So That's just kind of how I spend my time now. And we got pregnant in October of 2019. We found out in October. And I think the world that our child was conceived in is very different than the world that we are bringing the child in now. So that's kind of my journey.
2: Hi, I'm Andy, Victoria's husband, soon to be a father of a new baby. Uh, all things, hopefully, everything goes well. I would say I kind of identify as my mom's Mexican. My dad's a farmer. I'm still trying to figure out who I am. Somewhere in between. I grew up as an army brat around the world and was fortunate enough to meet Victoria one day in the office. And, uh, you know, it was love at first sight. Didn't look back, moved across the country, learning about, you know, myself and just excited to be on this adventure with her and see where the where things take us next.
0: Thank you for telling us a little bit about yourselves. And I love that you started to talk about how you met. We'd love to know a little bit about your relationship. How did you come together and how did you get to the point where you thought maybe it's time to start a family?
1: I think when I met Andy, we were working for a gaming company together. So our, our life was just all about like having fun, playing games, going to concerts, hanging out, drinking, going to parties. <laughs> like It was mostly that. And then when we moved to California... We well we traveled a bit. We traveled a bit before moving to California, and I think we realized that we get along really well, and that if we can spend like three months traveling, or two, how many months? Two months. Four months. I lost track of time. Mm. <laughs> then, then I felt like I can just like spend my whole life with him because it was just really easy, and we got along really well. We have a lot of shared values, but also a lot of interesting differences that gave us a lot to talk about, and. When did I know I wanted to have your child? I
2: don't know. (laughs) Uh,
1: Probably early on, but definitely was not ready. We met, I was 25 or 26 when we met. So after we turned 30s, we were kind of starting to think, we're not ready. Uh, We still also have a lot to talk about and plan for. But I think we knew we wanted children down the road. And so we thought we would start trying when we turned when I turned 33.
3: How did you decide on that age and that being the time that you wanted to start trying to build the family and what was what were maybe some of the conversations you had to get there?
1: I remember at 30 I was kind of like hey, I'm 30 now. I'm thinking to myself, I do want to be a mom and ideally would like to have more than one child. So, I started to I think I started to feel more pressure than anything else because I wasn't 100% sure I wanted kids at the time, but I was definitely feeling pressure from family a little bit or just, I don't know, maybe society pressure. I often hear people say you lose eggs or your fertility lowers after 30 and I think that m- might have started me to think about it more and then we were having a conversation and we realized we were not ready. <laughs> there was still a lot that we needed to discuss in terms of like the future and how we saw our lives and where we wanted to live. And it just made me realize like, it's not about society. It's just like, we're not ready yet. There's still a lot more we need to think about. And I stopped believing the egg thing because that would put this kind of weird pressure on me. And I just stopped thinking about that. And, and I think that helped me just when we felt ready was I think maybe like three or four years later after that conversation where we, where I felt like we talked through a lot of things, settled differences, started going to therapy (laughs) Definitely started going to therapy. I mean, individually, not so much together, and st- started to connect not more. <clears throat> not yet. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but started to connect more because intimacy was always like a, a hard thing for me, sharing my emotional state. And we realized that we need to get better at communicating before we had kids.
2: Yeah, Victoria and I like to joke that we're the product of the Cold War and that 30 years ago we never would have met. And mm-hmm. instead we would have been fighting on opposite lines. So <laughs> she has a very soviet approach to our arguments sometimes and i have a very passionate latino approach so sometimes you know those are things that we we think about
3: i love that and i appreciate how open both of you are too and and being so self-aware doing the work to really prepare as you think about bringing a child into the world related to that so it sounds like you had a lot of really meaningful conversations to think about when are we ready when's the time so when you did get to that point and you're ready to start trying to conceive. Did you do any research or preparation or how did you make that flip to be ready to to go?
2: Well, I um, we finally had to have the birds and bees conversation with my parents. <laughs> On a more serious note, though we it was sort of a gradual pro- process where I think that another element to it was just really feeling the responsibility of raising a child. I think we're both really confident, and we're blessed that we have resources and intelligence that we can, we'll be able to survive and bring a kid up to 18 or whatever the, the responsible limit is to get them out of the door and fully hatched. But the other component, Vic mentioned therapy. I think we spent a lot of time thinking about how we were raised and um, a, a lot about the implications of um, how our parents raised us, and uh, we talked to our parents and you know to what extent were they conscious when they raised us and you know they. Victoria's parents and my parents both were you know, lower socioeconomic. And so a lot of it was about survival. I think what we learned was really how to survive and clip coupons and take advantage of 29-cent hamburgers at McDonald's on Saturdays. But outside of that, well, you know, the emotional programming and imprinting that comes with raising a child, we, we felt very underprepared. And so I realized that it, there was never going to be an end to the preparation we could do. And so we, we kind of had one foot in understanding at least what we were getting ourselves into and we realized that okay like this is a lifelong process of learning we're on the journey fortunately you know the child will will be conscious but we have a little bit of time after he or she comes out out of the womb to keep preparing as long as we're committed to this idea of lifelong learning and, and thinking about it so yeah it wasn't quite a flip flip of a switch in that sense
1: and then also to add to that unlearning too. Because I had to unlearn a lot of patterns that I think existed for for me growing up, like always being tough. And we never really talked about emotions with my parents. Or I always felt like if I wanted to cry, I had to do it in private because it was like not cool to cry in front of my parents or be sad or be afraid. So I had to do a lot of unlearning too and that and therapy really helped and I'm still in therapy like (laughs) it is a lifelong journey we realize it's not like one day we're like okay I think we're ready like we've unlearned everything and we've learned everything that we wanted to learn and it was time I think it was just kind of like well if we're committed on this journey then whenever it happens like if we start trying now and we don't know how long it could take us to get pregnant at least we know we're both committed on this journey to just be conscious and aware because I don't I don't think we realize our parents really kind of weren't.
2: Well, they had a different set of circumstances and they had different priorities and things to think about.
0: Vic, you mentioned unlearning. And earlier you talked a little bit about unlearning some information about your own fertility and reproductive health. I'm wondering what people, resources, or education you got more recently that made you think differently about your reproductive health.
1: I did read the book Women's Code or something. And I, I remember like reading that they... Age that your fertility goes down, it, it's different for everybody. What I learned is that every person is different and that I didn't want to map myself to a statistic. And also, I've had an aunt that had her baby at 46 and she was fine and the baby was healthy. And learning more about like different people's stories that are not exactly like, oh, I had my kid at 25 helped me also build that confidence and learn about, you know, other ways. And there's all these different methods. And and I even started researching about surrogacy and it made me like really confident because I was like, oh, you know, maybe that could even be an option for us if, you know, if we can't get pregnant.
3: And then you did get pregnant. Can you share a bit more about wherever you are now in your pregnancy? What has pregnancy been like for you since October? And then now in this phase of a different time?
1: Yeah, I think it took us a couple of months to get pregnant. We were mostly trying, but not like timing things. It was more, I guess I, I do believe in like divine timing in, in some ways where I led it up to chance for now. And if I felt like I needed to convene on a medical standpoint, then I, then I would. But for the first couple of months, we were mostly just trying and not following any rhythm. And I'm 38 weeks pregnant now. <laughs> the pregnancies has been, it's been a journey. I remember getting pregnant was really, really exciting. And I was nervous. I was like, Oh, I can't tell anyone. I'm so nervous. Like, you know, the fear of miscarriage always came into my mind. I know it's very common. I've had friends that have had miscarriages. So there was a little bit of like that fear in me. And then the first trimester, I was really nauseous and tired. I just, slept all the time. I felt defeated a lot, especially because I like to be active and like walking around and going hiking. And that wasn't the case. And then the second trimester was really great. (laughs) It was like a relief because I didn't uh, feel many of those symptoms and I got my energy back. And then right around the end of my second trimester is when COVID happened. And I was starting to play this role of mothering of like protecting myself and and the baby and trying to navigate what does this all mean. And as we saw things unfold with shelter in place and working from home and disease. And my, my mother is a healthcare worker, so she's on the front lines every day in New York and she's constantly dealing with this. And when she she had a fever recently and it freaked me out. And so I'm like constantly stressed about her being in New York and being a healthcare worker and dealing with COVID patients stressed out about myself. I want to make sure I'm safe. We also don't know what COVID side effects are. I have read some studies of how it affected pregnant women. There's only I think 9 cases in in Wuhan, so there's still like not a lot we don't know. And I think the unknown is is kind of scary too. And now there's the world's like burning down, the protests, and COVID and yeah, it, it adds a lot of stress and fear to sort of this unknown, bringing a child into this world. And I feel like a bigger sense of responsibility now than I ever did before, because it's not just about myself anymore.
0: Can you take us back to when you first learned about COVID? What was your first thought, maybe generally? And then were there any thoughts that you had, either of you had around, oh, how is this going to affect the pregnancy?
1: I learned about it first as like, it was happening in China in like January, February, and I felt far away. And I was like, oh, I guess I thought of it as like the bird flu or something like that. And then I started to get really scared because reading the news and as more cases happen in Italy happening, I think I had this like, oh shit moment. Like, okay, this is real and this is going to spread. And then on Twitter, there was like these data scientists talking about potential outcomes of what can happen in terms of exponential growth of the virus. And it started to freak me out. So I started working from home starting like the end of February. So I told my manager that I was pregnant. And then I told him that I'm going to work from home because I'm really not sure about this, the virus thing. And, and he was really supportive of that. And then shelter in place happened two or three weeks after that. And then going to my um, prenatal appointments, I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to go to the hospital for these appointments because I learned that UCSF has dedicated a couple of beds to COVID patients. And then going for my appointments, it started to be going from just a regular doctor's appointment to you have to get your temperature checked. There's all these checkpoints at the door. There's people holding the elevator so you don't touch things. And then there's these six foot markers in the waiting area and everyone's panicking. And I really felt like all this panic. And I was like, this really sucks. All of these protocols are happening. And all the panic that I was feeling just going to get blood work, it felt like a lot uh, to deal with. Like I've never experienced that before.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. And certainly the stress and anxiety and uncertainty that any normal person would feel, I imagine is heightened for someone who's bringing a new life. And especially since bringing new life into our world is really medicalized, I can only imagine how challenging it, it is to psychologically navigate that Andy, I'm curious how you felt your role as a partner in this journey has shifted over time. And one of the things I'd love to talk about first is prior to becoming pregnant, what was your awareness of pregnancy or fertility prior to starting?
2: Very, very little. I guess I kind of knew the broad strokes, nine months the beginning the end but i didn't really know much to what to expect and i think i'm really good at burying my head in the sand when it comes to things that are uncomfortable and procrastinating so for the first trimester i tried everything i could do to kind of put it out of my head and fortunately victoria was was a really great sport and kind of encouraged me along and so it wasn't until the second trimester that i started really ramping up and we started listening to the podcast together got all the books i think victoria's probably read 100 books by now most from the library that we've returned. And then more recently, Victoria has been awesome about bringing me along and also seeking out a lot of resources. So we we have a doula that we've been working with virtually ahead of time. And we signed up for classes at the birth center, a mid- midwifery delivery place to get have group classes ahead of time. We've had eight sessions with uh, about a dozen other parents. So I, I think just on the learning about pregnancy, it's kind of been a slow ramp. Hope, I'm really fortunate and grateful that we haven't had any... Uh, We've had the full 38 weeks so far to, for me to get going.
0: So you mentioned that you have a doula, you're taking classes through the midwifery center, or at least a uh, birth education center that's focused on midwifery. And I know, Vic, you alluded to this when you were talking about some of your hobbies. You know, both of you come from more traditional backgrounds, but it seems as if you've embraced some more um, progressive, more for lack of a better term, like alternative or California-esque practices as part of your pregnancy and fertility journey. Could you tell us a little bit about how you decided to bring some of these practices into your experiences?
1: Yeah, I think for me, realizing that we're not going to have the support we thought we were going to have, or the way that we envisioned labor and pregnancy with support and help and friends and family being there for us and afterwards having my parents and then Andy's parents come and stay with us and cook for us or like help us a little bit. When I realized that that wasn't going to happen anymore, I realized we needed support and help. And so I started to talk to a doula and I started to realize like now more than ever, I need a community around other pregnant people or like families that we can share kind of what we're all going through because we're all going through this together and like going through these, these group sessions, you know, there's a lot of tears sometimes and people are like, you know, I thought I was going to have a baby shower and I thought like my mom could be there or I could have, you know, a little while ago, they almost didn't allow any visitor or any partners during the birth. And so, I had a friend who had to change her birth plan like the the last two weeks and travel to upstate New York so that she can have her baby with her partner there because they, uh, in New York, they banned any visitors or support people during labor, which is like unheard of. During labor, you need so much support. And because of COVID, taking that away is really, it's really hard, especially for a first timer. So I, I think I realized we needed more support and, and help in California has like this really progressive, like midwifery center. There's acupuncture and I started doing prenatal yoga, but everything was on zoom. So it was like a whole different experience, but because of zoom, these things were possible. And I still felt like I was able to connect with people. I knew people that I met through these zoom group sessions or prenatal yoga. But I, I think COVID kind of moved things along for us to seek support outside of family and friends.
3: Thank you. And now that you're moving towards these last two weeks, approaching the due date, would you share a bit more about, do you have a birth plan? Do you have a postpartum plan? And how have you factored COVID into those plans, if at all, as you really look to now welcome your baby?
1: Yeah. So we do have a birth plan. We can't have our doula there because of we're only allowed one support person. So Andy's Going to my doula partner husband, grandma, dad, grandma,
2: everything, chef,
1: um, chef, and so that that's different. I
2: think we were talking about this yesterday that in the absence of COVID, we would try to recreate like a Ritz Carlton uh, birth. Grandma would be there, mom would be there, my mom, maybe a videographer, maybe you know. When we planned our wedding, it was sort of we had a budget, but. We had sort of our own imaginations to plan this perfect experience, and just the reality sinking in that you know some of my colleagues had recommended night doulas, and Victoria was looking into Ayurvedic uh, postpartum doulas. But now the reality is like we we might not have anyone at the house for months. So you know the Ritz Carlton experience is going to have to put on hold, and we're probably going to have more of a Holiday Inn Express type birth. So you know continental breakfast there is great. Toast and cereal. We can. We'll definitely survive. I grew up on Holiday and Express, so I'm I'm okay with that. But uh, but we may not have all the luxuries that that we we would have preferred to have had. Mostly speaking for myself and the lack of a night to us. So
0: there's one thing I'd love to know because one of the things that we've been hearing from a lot of people is that we all have these wonderful, exciting lives, and the idea that we would put those on pause in order to bring a baby. Um, into our families. And then all the things and all the work that goes into raising a child in the right way feels like a really big decision for a lot of millennial parents. And so I'm wondering to what degree did any of your friends' family building journeys play into your decision or planning around when you might consider having a family?
2: I would say, I guess in a certain way, it did because we moved from New York to San Francisco and we had this great group of friends. Joanna, which we're we're really lucky to have met you. And there was so many exciting things to do. And, you know, everyone was single in their 20s and every weekend and most weeknights, there was plenty to do. So we were focused on our careers. I think being out here away from family, you know, going back to this idea that Victoria's parents are in Brooklyn. They immigrated. My parents are in Colorado. They both relocated to be there and kind of set up their own lives. And we thought by leaving to come out here, we were going to be building our own life. And that took some time so if we had stayed in brooklyn our journey might have been very different because we have grandma there and we have mom and dad and uh aunts and uncles nearby so you know on, i think in the second month of dating victoria's parents were ready for grandkids and they told me so uh, i think coming out here and just that intentional journey of trying to figure out who we are what the kind of lives we want the, the you know what kind of parents we want to be who really i think the work of figuring out who you are is a, is a very It's very deep work that takes a lot of time. So I I think it was a a bit about seeing our friends around us in terms of there were plenty of distractions. I don't know if necessarily that we saw, uh, I I don't know if I saw many positive role models of folks who had really been super thoughtful about, you know, doing the inner work and coming to a point where they wanted to be conscious parents. I think there's sort of this blueprint inside of some of us that choose to, to reproduce and and, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a pretty natural scientific way of thing you can follow. But then there's this other dimension of, you know, kind of, I guess, being thoughtful and th- thinking parent and being very conscious about how you want to raise your children and challenging your own beliefs. And that just took a little bit more time. But it was a gradual thing that we kind of came to. And, you know, we definitely saw plenty of our friends and family having children and prolific amounts of children and not necessarily anyone living in uh, the big cities, but my younger brother got started early and he has three beautiful children now and, you know, very loving wife and great family in Colorado. And so we've seen people having kids, but their their lives always seemed a bit distant and different than ours. And so, you know, I'm sure if we had moved back home, it would have been much different.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did have a few friends here in San Francisco that had a baby a year ago and a few other friends that were starting to have kids. and. I started to see that maybe this is possible, being able to still have part of your old life, but then become parents. One of my biggest fears was that I was going to lose a lot of friends. (laughs) I was afraid of that. I was like thinking that becoming a mom is like this whole identity and that you tend to not spend as much time with people that you used to spend time with or because you had so much more time. But I I got over that fear when I did start to see some of my friends either thinking about kids or on their own fertility journeys, and also some that did have kids that are making it work. And seeing that gave me a lot of positive reinforcement.
0: One thing that really strikes me about everything that you're saying is the intentionality and the consciousness behind how you're starting your family and planning your family. I know that both of you come from very strong cultural backgrounds. And one of my most favorite memories of you in your relationship is being at your wedding and seeing the blend of Russian as well as Mexican heritage at the wedding, and specifically the lasso ceremony and some of the other elements of the ceremony. I'm wondering what sorts of cultural elements that you're really intending to preserve as you rear your soon-to-be baby.
1: That's a good memory, (laughs) Joanne, that you have. That's been top of mind for us too. And I think because we have such strong grandmas, like my mother has such a strong cultural influence on me and my sister and my family and yours and as well. I'm excited for our child to meet the grandmas, <laughs> our parents, and and really learn a lot about the culture. I've been talking to my grandmother because she has a lot of stories about like the war and her dad and concentration camps and things like that where... I'm trying to relearn a lot of those historical events and this way I I can keep that as part of the story of our heritage. And then in terms of traditions, we've also been thinking a lot about like starting our own too, because we're coming together as this new unit. And we've been talking a lot about the things that we didn't want to (laughs) preserve. And some of the new things that we want to build into our lives, like being able to talk about our feelings and knowing that it's okay to cry and it's okay to be afraid and learning about all different cultures and the world around us and being very curious and open. That's really important to us.
2: Our families are both very family-centric. I agree with Vic. We definitely want to upend a lot of traditions so that we can kind of create our new path, but Russian birthday parties are pretty epic with the vodka and the five different courses and dancing in between and speeches. So I think we would definitely want to preserve that And growing up, we always, after church on Sundays, would have like fiestas, barbecues, fajitas. And so we've kind of, we've done a few of those over the years, smoking barbecue. So hopefully we can continue these sort of Sunday afternoon, evening, get togethers with friends and family.
3: Thanks for sharing. I love that. What I'd love to do now is we we like to ask two questions to everyone we interview. So first, and for both of you, what is one thing that you've learned about your body, maybe in the last year or two? as you've entered into this journey of having a child?
1: I learned about my body is that it does miraculous things on its own. I have to trust my body. And I've just been feeling like how amazing it is to be a woman, to be able to sustain a life. I think it's, it's just phenomenal. And I, I think it's like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> like, you know, every week the, the stomach gets bigger and the baby feels is nourished and it's all kind of happening, and my body's doing all this work. It just feels like magic.
2: I think the thing I've learned is that if I were a bear, I'd be one of the most successful bears because my body's very good at storing a copious amounts of, of weight in preparation for hibernation. So I've had to learn how to remember that I'm not a bear and that I'm not going into hibernation so that I can stay healthy. And I guess on a more serious note related to fertility, the... I guess I've been more mindful in the past year of uh, stress and how uh, stress, all kinds of external stress, screens, work, family, environmental, Uh, we've got an air filter, you know, we have all these machines in our house now to try to help us sleep better and help the air feel better and, you know, water filters and so just all those external and then internal stresses too and how they can relate to uh, conception and whatnot. There's so much we don't know. So I think it's kind of uh, humbling to sort of be at the mercy of that.
3: Totally. And I think that's such an important one to be aware of and, and to be
0: working towards. So thanks for bringing that up. And our final question is really around how you're using your voice now more than ever, given all the political unrest, all of the social justice movements and protesting we're seeing not to mention our health crisis that we're experiencing globally. There's a lot of people raising their voices for the first time. We'd love to hear from each of you, how are you using your voice in any way as it relates to your family building, fertility, and reproductive health plans, or anything else that's going on in the world?
1: I've noticed myself really use my voice a lot during the prenatal appointments. During COVID, hospitals have a lot of different protocols. They want you to do this extra testing sometimes. And during this pregnancy, I've been learning to trust my body more. And I had to push back on some testing that they wanted to do for me. One, because I didn't want to be in the hospital for three hours to do some of this testing. And I didn't feel like it was necessary. And so I noticed myself, educating myself, standing up for myself and saying no to things, saying no to doctors, saying no to certain testing a lot more than I would have.
2: Yeah, um, I think, you know, especially with Everything in light of George Floyd last week, too, in addition to COVID, it's been a struggle. I think the one thing I've been paying attention to is that first, when COVID hit, I wanted to volunteer my time and and join Instacart and help deliver groceries. And then at the same time, I thought, well, my wife's pregnant and it's probably not a responsible thing to do. And when the protests came out, I was eager to go stand out there and thinking about, well, you know, is it safe? with the virus, should I be putting myself like in harm's way? What's the best effective way for me to balance the responsibility to my family and to my community? And so I've been struggling with those ideas of, of how can I contribute and how can I speak up and what's my voice? I think the, the way I've been thinking about it is the skill I've developed through work is finding opportunities to invest in that can have serious impact in the world. And so where I've come to now is Uh, using my mind to try to understand the best way I can have an impact and help those. We've made some donations, and it's really trying to educate myself and those around me and, and show up to the polls when it matters, and it's a struggle.
0: Thank you so much for your honesty and openness and discussing all aspects of your journey. I think everyone right now is navigating how they bring their values to life and also create the life that they want to live and the community and environment they want to preserve for everyone. Nobody knows that more intimately, I think, than parents. So thank you so much for your time. And we'll just, if there's anything else you'd like to share about your journey or your experience with our community, now's the time.
1: The only thing that I'll say is that women and and couples going through this right now, it's really hard and I I totally understand you and it's okay because we're going to get through this. And now is the greatest time in the world to bring a child into this world where everything's going to be different and we can start from scratch of how we want to live our lives and teach our children new ways of being in the world and breaking the patterns. I feel for soon-to-be moms and parents and and couples and pregnant women going through this at this time. It's very confusing, but there's hope at the end of the tunnel.
3: It's a great note to end on. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Bodies, Our Voices podcast with Andy and Vic. We really enjoyed hearing Andy and Vic reflect on their journey towards parenthood and their experience preparing to welcome their baby during COVID-19. To hear more episodes or to get in touch, visit OurBodiesOurVoices.com. Catch you later.